The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That is the number. It's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got a bunch of cases and your questions to get through through email. We'll get to that. The injury calculator and a bunch of other things. A busy hour, but first we'll get to the uh, the week that was. Uh, Savannah, how's it going, pal? It's going great, John. Good. Let me start off by talking about a mediation that I had about a week ago. Uh, we had resolved uh, a uh, case for a very nice lady with chronic back pains. And when she came to me, she came to me uh, because her LTD insurer denied her long-term disability application. And the problem was that her own family doctor wasn't supportive. Uh, God knows why. We've dealt with these kinds of situations before where people call me up and say, look, I'm having all these issues. Uh, I'm unable to work, but my doctor, for whatever reason, is not willing to cooperate and support me with my disability application. And I had made several recommendations and suggestions. She ended up going to a chronic pain specialist who deals with these kinds of pains, and she was getting treatment, she was getting injections. Long story short, that chronic pain doctor in Thornhill uh, was able to provide the necessary uh, medical support for her application, Uh, And so we started the claim against the insurance company because they were still denying her claim. And so anyways, this was a few months back. We had resolved the claim earlier this week. Mm -hmm. But what stood uh, stood out in my mind when I was dealing with the defense lawyer for the insurance company as well as the adjuster for DLTD insurer, who, by the way, was a lawyer herself, right? So so just imagine this. I'm at mediation uh, with my client. On the other side of the table, there is the adjuster for the insurance company, their lawyer. And we're just chatting before the mediation starts about, you know, other cases yep. and situations we've been dealing with. And uh, the adjuster uh, for the insurance company is telling us a story about a case that she was involved in uh, a while back. I don't know if it was a few months back or a few years back, where she said that the other lawyer, in other words, the lawyer representing the disabled individual, right. was so incompetent that she herself, this adjuster, took it upon herself to pay more than what she thought she would need to pay. In other words, she could have gotten a great deal for the insurance company, but she decided, you know what, that's not fair. That other person across from me uh, really is disabled. Their lawyer doesn't know what they're doing. And so through the mediator, she ended up actually paying a bit more. So I'm bringing this out as an example to illustrate two points. Number one, you do have incompetent lawyers out there. And so if you are dealing with an LTD claim, you yourself are disabled, you have to make sure you go to the right person, the right lawyer. There are a ton of good lawyers out there. Just make sure you do your due diligence. Uh, So that's number one. Make sure you get the right lawyer to deal with your disability claim. The second issue, uh, or the second thing I want to illustrate, is that you do have adjusters and you do have defense lawyers working for insurance companies who are fair. Okay, I know that when people hear this show, uh, it, it appears sometimes as though I'm coming extremely hard on insurance companies. And yes, insurance companies have a job to do. They're there to make money. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, in my opinion, on the backs of disabled individuals, but there are people working for insurance companies, defense lawyers who are my friends, adjusters who have known for many, many years, who do have a heart, who try to do what's fair. Uh, so, you know, it's not right to paint everyone with the same brush. Sure. But please, if you are dealing with a disability uh, and, you know, you, you have been denied, you have been cut off by the LTD insurer, make sure you get the right legal help because that's going to make, you know, a, a day and night difference in terms of what kind of compensation you're looking at at the end, you and your family. Sure. one 990 is the number. What else you got?
Okay, so let me uh, uh, read you a question that was posted to um, uh, a website that we run, mydisabilityquestions.com. Yep. And this one came, uh, came from Bernice in Windsor. And she writes, I've been on LTD since May 2016. My doctor just claimed my condition is permanent and, will not be, and I will not be returning to work. I've applied for CPP disability. I just received a letter of termination from my employer and they claim that they do not owe me severance. Is this correct? So you know how we've been talking over and over and over how much interplay there is between employment law and long-term disability and how uh, amazing it is really that at our firm we have lawyers that really specialize in employment law and, uh, and then you have my group of lawyers who deal with LTD injuries and all that kind of stuff because oftentimes people who come to us for long-term disability law help are often facing issues with their own employers mm-hmm. and vice versa, right? People who are having employment issues don't understand that they also have an LTD dispute right. with their insurance company. So with respect to Bernice here and her question, well, number one, no, it's not correct. If your employer lets you go, uh, then they owe you severance under Ontario law, under British Columbia law, under Canadian law in general, yep. with the exception of Quebec that has different laws. Uh, so absolutely not. But there's a lot more to this question here, which is important to understand. Number one, if you are let go while you're in disability, there is a potential human rights violation here. So not only you would, would you potentially be entitled to severance or are entitled to severance, you could be entitled to human rights damages. And why is that important from the long-term disability standpoint? Because don't forget, this lady is on disability. Because most disability uh, policies have provisions in there that say that if you receive severance from your employer, the insurance company gets a credit for that, right? So if they're paying you a thousand bucks a month, the LTD insurer, and you just receive $10,000 worth of severance, the LTD insurer says, hold on for a second, we're not going to pay you for the next 10 months because you just received that severance. You're not double dipping. You're not double dipping. So that's why it's important because then when we have one of our employment lawyers dealing with this lady's employment situation, the severance may not be $10,000 for severance, it may be $5,000 for severance and $5,000 for human rights damages right. because she was let go when she was disabled. That doesn't count. So it doesn't count. The insurance yeah. company only gets a credit for five grand. You see, it's so important. These issues are intertwined. So that's why I tell people, you know, when you come to us, you're really getting the best of both worlds. You're getting LTD lawyers working side by side with employment lawyers, and we're dealing with all of the issues holistically. Your emails and more cases coming up here. The number in the meantime, one 990 And email is help at the insurance and injury law show. It's right here. Talk radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, and it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, check out the injury calculator. That is injurycalculator.ca. We'll get to more of that in finer detail as uh, we continue here. What's uh, what's the next case you had on deck there? Okay, well, this is a car accident case. So mm-hmm. I got this email from a lady in Ottawa, and here's what she writes. She says, "Hello, I was rear-ended by a drunk driver on May eighteenth. Uh, I banged my forehead on the steering wheel and have a slight cut, still have bruising around the eyes. Would I be able to get compensation for lost wages? Uh, She's unable to go to work. Mm -hmm. And also her daughter lost some time because she was taking care of her mother, the lady who's emailing me. She, by the way, had sent me a photograph of her car, which, holy cow, I mean, I don't know how she she survived that uh, crash. But the reason I'm bringing up this particular case is because she was re-rendered. The accident happened because of a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. And what people need to understand is that, you know, we all have automobile insurance when we drive, or we ought to have it by law. Yeah, no kidding. Right. But you can't just do whatever you want, right? Insurance, an insurance policy, like an automobile insurance policy, is a contract that you have with your insurance company. Well, 
you can imagine that there are provisions in your policy that state that if you break the contract by doing certain things- Like don't drink and drive. Th- exactly. Yeah. You compromise the coverage. You bet. And so what happens in those situations, right? Because if somebody injures you and you end up starting a legal claim against them, their insurance company ends up paying you compensation. So what do you do when you have someone like this, this lady who was rear-ended by a drunk driver? I can tell you right now that because he was drunk, his insurance company- Could be void, right? It's, Chances most are. Most likely what's going to happen is that uh, they're going to say, look, you've breached the term of your policy. They don't necessarily void the policy, but the limits of how much they can pay this lady right. will drop down from the standard million dollars, assuming he has a standard policy, to the statutory minimums of $200,000. But what if her injuries and damages are worth more than the mm-hmm. 200000 Then what do you do in those situations? In Again, it's so crucial to go to the right lawyers who know this kind of stuff and not go to your real estate lawyer who doesn't practice in yeah. this area. Well, in cases of uninsured uh, and unidentified drivers, uh, you know, in, it those, runs. In, in those situations, yeah. uh, you are able to go uh, against your insurance company, your insurance company steps into the shoes of the uninsured or unidentified, right? So sometimes you have a hit and run, unidentified mm-hmm. driver. Again, in those situations, the limits of what you can claim is $200,000. In this lady's case, if this gentleman who was uh, drinking and driving, if his own insurance uh, company, if they say that the limits are already 200000 then she still has a claim against her own insurance company under uh, an added endorsement to her policy. This okay. is a fairly standard endorsement nowadays. It's called an OPCF44R. So when you, John, you know, sign up for auto insurance, one of the things that they usually tack on and they get your consent to do that is what's called an OPCF44R. In the event that you get injured as a result of someone like this guy who was drinking and driving, that guy only has $200,000 now in terms of what they can pay you, mm-hmm. your insurance company steps into the shoes of the other uh, driver and picks up the difference between the 200000 and the $1 million. So if your injuries and damages are worth 500000 the other guy's insurance company will pay the 200000 gotcha. and then your insurance company will pick up the other 300000 right. So again, very important. Why is it important? Because when we start a legal claim against a guy, we also have to start a legal claim with your own insurance company. And in cases where you're dealing with lawyers who don't know this type of stuff, when you're dealing with car accidents and insurance law, they may not do that, thereby prejudicing you down, the, you know, down right. the road, and you're stuck with the two hundred thousand. You can It's not good. Exactly. I wonder would it affect one's rates? I know you're not an insurance guy. Your own rates because you're going, you're you're dipping into your own insurance. They shouldn't not because it wasn't his fault. No, right? it, they shouldn't. And you know, I get yeah. those kinds of questions, and I always defer to brokers sure. who deal with this. Yeah. It's really not my area, but you know, it's it's like anything else. If it's not your fault, why shouldn't it affect your rates? Right. Uh, but again, I guess it depends on the insurance company and depends mm-hmm. on you know what the brokers out there will tell right. you. 1-888-990-9646. What else we got? Uh, okay. We have another question that was uh, sent to um, or posted on mydisabilityquestions.com. This one is from Rendell in Toronto. And here's what Rendell writes. It says, hello, I have been collecting my long-term disability benefits since April 1st, 2016. While actively working, I paid 100% of my LTD premiums through payroll deductions. Mm -hmm. Since I paid uh, paid 100% of the LTD premium uh, while working, now that I'm collecting the benefit, is the benefit that I'm receiving tax-free? Also, he asks, while collecting the benefit, am I still required to pay the monthly premium or is it waived until I return to work? And is the benefit I'm receiving still tax-free? So a lot of questions, and let's break this down. Depends who paid into it, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
if your employer, in most instances, the employers pay a portion or the full premiums for your LTD coverage. In those cases, when you start receiving LTD or when there is a settlement, that will be taxed. But in Randall's case, because he paid 100% of the premiums, then his benefits are going to be tax-free. And that's going to make a huge difference when he actually has to access mm-hmm. these funds. Because, you know, your LTD is never 100% of your income. So it's really nice, you know, if you're getting, let's say, 67 or 70% as your LTD payment, right? You're making $1,000 a month. Right. You're now getting, let's say, $670. It's nice that that's not taxed. So that's the first uh, answer. In terms of while he's on LTD, so this is the question, is he still paying premiums? The majority of policies out there, LTD policies, uh, have waiver of premium provisions, which which state that as soon as you become disabled and access the policy... It's on hold, right? It's on hold, yeah. exactly. So you don't have to worry about paying those premiums because you really are accessing the policy yep. at this point. Um, so, you know, again, you know, people out there, if you have a questions, uh, any, any questions really about LTD, long-term disability, short-term disability... Uh, and you want uh, quick, accurate answers, I'm the one who's actually answering these questions. Go to MyDisabilityQuestions.com. And all these questions and answers that I'm reading uh, on the shows, people can actually go to the site and scan through these, yeah. right? I mean, they're, cool. they're all there for you, and you can you can search by by keyword. Uh, and and pr- most likely, if you have a question, it's already been asked. But if it hasn't, feel free to Throw post. it up there. Exactly. We'll get to the injury calculator after a short break. The number one 990 And email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640. one 990 is the number anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get to a couple more cases, and then we'll get on to the injury calculator. Okay, so we have uh, another interesting gentleman who had contacted me. Uh, Andy from uh, Kirkland Lake. He's been off work since December t- uh, 2015. Uh, is seeing a psychiatrist for uh, depression, has back pain, also has cancer. Has notes from family doctor, psychiatrist, uh, saying that uh, he's unable to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Applied for LTD uh, with Manulife and was declined. The reason that they gave is that apparently they say that the person has been facing those issues for a while. So I'm, I'm getting from that that they say it's probably you know a pre-existing issue. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. That person retained a lawyer up there where they live. The lawyer apparently tried to apply for a second time to Manulife. Presumably what they mean is that there was an appeal here. And the lawyer just recently told this individual that um, he's been uh, denied for a second time. Okay. And he- here's the thing. Uh, this person writes that it's been a year and a half, nothing has been accomplished, and he's declared bankruptcy. How tragic is that? And, so, you know, and you see this happening over and over where people, you know, they are... They go to lawyers to help them. They go to insurance companies to help them. I mean, what is insurance at the end of the day? It's supposed to give you peace of mind. And here you have a situation where this individual uh, had uh, declared bankruptcy because they were simply unable to survive financially. You know, saying that this has been going on for a year and a half, I I can maybe count on one hand the amount of long-term disability cases I have handled when a person came to me right after they were cut off or denied that has lasted for longer than a year. Usually we resolve these cases less than a year. Not everything is within our control. We have to work with the lawyer for the insurance company. But I can tell you there is no reason, no reason why a claim hasn't even been started Within this time frame, so did they, they get the uh, appeal and or the the denial the second time, and the lawyer just gave up? Like, like 
I'm not sure if they gave up or if they're just sitting on it or maybe the lawyer just doesn't know what to do. Again, it's an example of you have to make sure that, you know, this is your case. This is your life. Your family is dependent on this money. You have to go to the right people yeah. to handle this. It's no different than going to the right doctor when you, you have an emergency and you need surgery. I mean, you know, very, very important. So it's just a tragic situation and, uh, it, you know, boils my blood when I see these kinds of cases and people who are in such dire straits and their cases are completely mishandled. Let's get to one more. All right, last one that I'm going to raise with you. So this one is um, uh, a lady, again, from the Ottawa uh, area. It's an LTD case. She applied for LTD and she was denied because the insurance company said she did not provide sufficient medical documentation and does not have a concrete diagnosis of her uh, injuries or illness. Her family doctor submitted uh, medical reports back in March. She's diagnosed with asthma, chronic cough, sleep apnea, and fibromyalgia. So I'm not sure what the issue here with the diagnosis, but clearly there are. Uh, She's seeing a family doctor, a respirologist, a cardiologist, and an environmental specialist. And by the way, she's going to be seeing a rheumatologist at the end of June. So you have somebody here who's seeing a ton a lot of, of experts. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, still you're having the insurance company uh, that says, nope, not enough uh, medical documentation to support your, your uh, claim for disability. And here's what I want to bring out to people, uh, to people's attention. Many times doctors, the doctors you're going to, um, you know, you're telling them you're going to be applying for LTD or you've applied for LTD and you're asking them for reports uh, and they're providing you with something, whether it's notes or, you know, some kind of a, of right. a report. Oftentimes, doctors need a little bit more direction. And oftentimes, I find that insurance companies, when they cut someone off or deny them altogether, like they've done with this individual, uh, it's simply because the insurance company, which is really paper-focused, right? They're focusing on the reports in front of them. Mm-hmm. They don't have the information that they need in order to justify putting you on LTD. And so when we get into the picture... In many instances, it's simply us contacting these uh, treatment providers and asking them the right questions that allow them to answer correctly, correctly for the insurance company, allowing the insurance company now to say, okay, now we have the information we need from these doctors. Now we are going to put you on LTD. And if they still say, after all of that, that no, they don't think that you deserve LTD, well, guess what? We've now done our due diligence with all of these doctors. We have the reports. We've set it up so that if the insurance company comes back and says, no, we're not paying you, we start a legal claim immediately. And where do you think that's going to end up, John? It's going to end up at a mediation. And a settlement. With a settlement, exactly. So you're saying sometimes it's not the fact that the person isn't uh, qualified is that the doctor's notes aren't robust enough to have the insurance company say, okay, let's Miscommunication, go. John. Miscommunication wow. between the doctors because you have the third party, which is really the main party, which is a disabled person who's right. trying to uh, bridge the gap between their doctors, the insurance companies, but the you know disabled individual only knows that they're disabled. They don't understand gotcha. what the insurance company really needs from the doctors. The doctors don't understand what the insurance company needs. So we come in there oftentimes and resolve those issues, but if they're not resolved, the insurance company still you know, puts up a fight, well, then we start the legal process and then they have no choice. We'll wrap up this one. Give me some details on the injury calculator. Wonderful tool. Fantastic tool. It's been used thousands of times. And what it does is it allows you uh, to essentially figure out within 20 or 30 seconds of using it, anonymously, I should add, um, what your injuries are worth from a value standpoint. If you've been injured uh, in Ontario, in BC, in any common law jurisdiction in Canada, and you want to know, it doesn't make sense for me to start a legal claim for compensation. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a car accident. This person T-boned me. Uh, I slipped and fell. Uh, whatever happened, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault. You want to know 
what will the insurance company potentially have to pay me for my injuries? This is what the injury calculator does. It's a database of cases, similar cases uh, to what you see out there. You know, if somebody's in a car accident and they break their knee, you want to see what is a broken knee yep. worth, okay, quote unquote. And what this does is uh, through an algorithm that uh, we've created, it scans the databases based on the information you give it, and it pulls out all these cases that are similar to yours. And then it tells you, based on our review of Canadian cases, uh, this is what you can expect to get for your bad back or for your concussion Mm -hmm. or for your torn shoulder. You know, and it'll give you a range. And the reason it'll give you a range of damages of a dollar value it's because different injuries affect different people, right? So you have one judge in Ontario is going to give you something maybe somewhat different than a judge in BC for somebody who's a bit older than you, John. Right. So that's why you have a range. But, you know, the ranges are there to provide you with just an idea of what you can get. And again, remember, it's only for pain and suffering. This doesn't account for income, income loss. losses. Yep. You know, if you can't work, you have difficulty working. If uh, you're incurring out-of-pocket expenses because of extra physio, Cairo. Maybe you need to pay someone to mow your lawn, uh, do whatever you need sure. done around the house, home modifications. These are things that I can help you with. And that's why when you finish and you get the results in the calculator, you can submit for a consultation if you want to contact Beautiful. me directly. Injurycalculator.ca is what that is. The number to call one 990 Lots more of the, injury, uh, the insurance and injury law shows coming right up here. Talk radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out what we just talked about last segment, that would be the injury calculator. Find out what your pain and suffering should be. Go to injurycalculator.ca. So uh, someone's receiving uh, long-term disability. What are some of the warning signs they should watch out for that may tell them that your insurance uh, company is about to give them the old cutoff? There are a ton of uh, signs uh, that um, you know you can watch out for, but let me focus on just five really mm-hmm. briefly. Number one, if they're telling you that they want you to see one of their doctors, ah. right? even though you've submitted reports from your own treating doctors, well, I would call that a red flag. Now, it could be that when you go to their doctors, their doctors are going to confirm what your doctors are saying, which is that you can't work. But in most instances, in many instances, Oftentimes, the reason the insurance company is sending you to one of their doctors, i.e. a doctor that they're paying, Mm -hmm. oftentimes they end up getting a report from that doctor saying, oh, well, your functional impairment is not as bad. You got it. You can go back to work or you can try a return to work program or, you know, here are, you know, 10 other recommendations of treatments you haven't tried yet that you should which, by the way, your own doctor may disagree with. So if you are told to go and see one of their doctors, you have to do it. Okay, These LTD policies require you, mm-hmm. um, but just understand that there is a reason behind that. Uh, another thing you should watch out for, uh, when the insurance company, when the adjuster, the case manager starts hinting to you that perhaps you don't have sufficient medical information, they don't have sufficient medical information to continue paying you LTD. So they haven't cut you off. They haven't told you that they will cut you off, but they're telling you that they're lacking, you know, medical information. You know, they can't get in touch with your doctor. Your doctor is not giving them what they need. That's all, uh, I would say, precursor to them telling you at some point, we're going to cut you off at a later date. Another thing, they want you to try a return to work program. Again, you know, there's nothing stopping them from telling you, listen, we want you to try to go, you know, going back to work. But as soon as I hear that, as soon as I hear the adjuster telling my client, we want them to try a return to work program, 
I, I basically look at two things to assess whether or not I will advise my client to proceed on that basis. Number one, are they ready to go back, right. to try to go back? That's the first thing. Number two, do they have medical clearance? If my client tells me, I don't feel that I'm capable yet of going back, and their own doctors are saying, the person's not ready, well, then why is the adjuster pushing for a return to work program? Well, because they know that if my client says no, they can, again, use that as pretext to potentially cut the person off. So watch for that. Last two things. As soon as the adjuster starts questioning your own doctor's opinions, that's a red flag for me. And maybe there is a reason for that. Maybe it's because your doctors are just not putting enough meat in their reports, not explaining enough in terms of, you know, what Mm -hmm. they think about your disability and not giving a prognosis for the future. But again, when the adjuster starts questioning the opinions of your doctors, red flag for me. Last thing, when they are starting to talk to you about other occupations that Ah. they think that you may be suited for, usually you see this uh, when a person has already been on LTD for about a year, year and a half, you're approaching the two-year mark where the taste yeah. the, the the test definition. for definition yeah for the total disability changes into any occupation can you do any occupation for which you're reasonably suited for uh you know when the adjuster starts talking about other occupations exa- again it just it it's projects that they are starting to think of well can we cut you off can mm. we argue can we say that maybe you're suited to do something else we want you to try doing something else so watch out for these signs if those things happen Feel free to call me, email me, and I'll guide you through those. And the last one, I mean, they're they're not always wrong. Maybe you might discover, hey, you know what? Maybe I can't teach, sure. or I could do something else. They're just they're getting ready well, to cut course. you off, right? No, of course, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, the more education you have, yeah. uh, the more you know uh, theoretically you should be able to do right transferable skills. Yeah. So there's no reason. I mean, there's I have no objection with the insurance company doing so, so long as. You know, it's done with uh, I would say good intentions. In other words, they really are trying to help you. Right. What I find most often is that they're doing so just to protect the insurance company's bottom line, which is what I don't like, mm-hmm. right? They're pushing someone to do something when the person is not ready. The doctors are saying the person is not ready. And if anything, it backfires because then uh, it creates more pressure, usually psychological pressure on the individual, right. and they regress. Now, as far as your first point is concerned, them sending you to their doctors, their doctor's word, even if it's uh, com- not, maybe not completely opposite, but goes against what you're Healthcare professionals have said their doctor doesn't trump all. No, their doctors does not. And in fact, there's been uh, many cases out there where judges have made a, uh, they've they've concluded and opined uh, that they will take the word of the treating physician over that hired gun. The one time, right? the one person, doctor. exactly. Yeah. The doctor has seen you one time for half an hour, an hour, whatever, versus your own doctor that's been seeing you for the last five years. Absolutely. I mean, it comes down to credibility. It comes down to, um, you know, how the courts look at uh, the, the, the um, information that is presented to them from sure. these medical professionals and trying to ascertain which one of them really is correct. It, it would. It's. I mean, I guess they have to do. It just seems hard to imagine that the insurance company would bother. I guess they have to, but paying a doctor to go through this whole rigmarole. If you you got this guy over here has been treating me for six years for my injuries, and I got to go see this guy for half an hour. How's that even going to compare? Well, you know, sometimes insurance companies are actually questioning the treating uh, physicians' right. uh, opinions, and you know that's not to say that in every instance, in every case, the doctor hired by the insurance company. Uh, is is you know doing something that is illicit? That, right? He might say, that, you know what, this this guy's right. He can't go. Back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He may, or you may have a situation where the treating physician, the one who's actually treating the individual, mm-hmm. 
maybe they're not correct in their right. diagnosis sure. or assessment. So, you know, there's nothing wrong for the insurance company sending you to one of their doctors so long as it's the correct doctor, right? right? The correct specialty. It's just that oftentimes I find that they're doing it uh, hoping for a report that favors the insurance gotcha. company, giving them a pretext to cut you off. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. If you haven't used it yet, see what your disability or pain and suffering should be worth at is the injurycalculator.ca as well. www.injurycalculator.ca. More of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. Talk radio, AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Email by the way is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one here. Uh, an email says, my wife is 48 and is fighting PTSD after she saw someone killed in a car crash. No kidding. She's been uh, denied long-term disability twice now after the last appeal was denied. Our real estate lawyer offered help, but I'm wondering if we should have someone with esp- uh, expertise in this area. I would say so. Yes, I would say so as well. Exactly. Uh, look, LTD cases, LTD law, just like any type of law, is specialized. It's no different than medicine right? I mean, if you are having a throat infection, you are not going to go to an optometrist or whoever it is that is dealing with other types of things. Very, very important to understand that this is a very specialized area of law. Now, uh, this lady fighting PTSD after seeing something like that, seeing someone killed, I mean, it's completely understandable. And what I would want to understand here is you know, what kind of medical documentation from a psychiatrist or what kind of psychologist notes were provided to the insurance company? Yeah. You know, clearly, John, just like for you, it does for me, th- th- there is this issue here with appeals. We, every time we hear appeal, uh, we cringe in the context of long-term disability. Why? Because most of these appeals, when you are denied or cut off LTD, the letter that the insurance company sends you, the, one of the last paragraphs usually says, if you would like to appeal, you have X amount of time and please provide us with any additional documentation right. and we'll consider them. Who do you think you're appealing to? You're not appealing to a third party. You're not appealing to a court. You're not appealing to me. You're not appealing to anyone. You're appealing to the same people who cut you off in the first place. I mean, for God's sakes, what, what, like, how many times do we talk about this and people out there, you know, when they hear it for the first time, they're shocked. Yeah. What do you mean we shouldn't appeal? I mean, you know it makes no sense for us to just go to a lawyer if we can take action by ourselves. Yeah, well, Well, try. Well, but that's the thing. So people do try, and then, you know, they get frustrated with the process. It takes time. They need it again, and they do it again. Yeah, and at some point, people get to, they get to a point uh, where they say, well, okay, forget about it. It's not worth it anymore. What's the point? I haven't been able to do it. My doctors are not being listened to. What are you going to do for me, Simon? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a legal claim. I'm going to take it out of the insurance company's hands. That's the power of the law, that everyone, everyone is subservient to the law. Every, it governs everyone. So as soon as we start a legal process, first of all, that uh, case, that claim that has now been denied twice moves from the original adjuster to a litigation adjuster, someone else at the insurance company. And there is a defense lawyer appointed. Mm -hmm. Someone who now advises the company, here's what's going to happen if you don't pay this claim at the end of the day. And maybe they have legitimate reasons for not paying the claim and they want to go all the way. But in most cases, I find, particularly when I tell somebody they have a case, we end up resolving the case for a lot of money relative to whichever facts there are in the claim. Mm Within literally months, sometimes even weeks, depending on who it is that I'm dealing with, right? And I'm talking about situations where the insurance company says to the person, we're paying you zero 
Six months down the road, we have a $300,000 settlement. I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you that somewhere in between the time when that person was denied and they came to my office, did something happen? Did the case change? No, the case was exactly the same. It's the fact that we've now started a legal claim against the insurance company. That's the new dynamic. They're playing the odds of them not going any further with it. That's they all. are playing the odds. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people out there, they only realize when it's too late, when they're beyond the two-year limitation period, yeah. right, to actually start a legal claim. They'll call me up. They'll say, Sivan, you know, I've appealed, blah, blah, blah. You know, and the case sounds just fantastic from my standpoint. In other words, there's definitely grounds to start a claim. But guess what? This happened five years ago. The You're person sunk. gave up. That's it. You can't yeah. do anything. You're done. Another email says, my cousin has a skin cancer and was denied LTD because she is in remission. But her oncologist says that she still can't go back to work because she's too weak due to the treatments. What else does the insurance company need for proof of this? Uh, my cousin already appealed and there you go, was appealed and was denied again last week. Well, that, so that's it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a similar type of a question with the last person who emailed us. And again, if you are in that situation, if you know someone who is in that situation, a family member, a friend, please, please let them know to contact me. Uh, go to mydisabilityquestions.com, post a question if you want, email me directly if you want, go to another website, there you go, fightformyltd.com, mm-hmm. you know, answer a few questions, five questions, and I will tell you if you have a case or not. You know, but you know, this person has cancer. And the insurance company still thinks that that person is not disabled. Right. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, this is, again, makes my blood boil when you have an oncologist write to the insurance company telling them the person can't work. What more proof do you need? Right. Right? one 9646 is that number. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca through email. And as we mentioned before, uh, the injurycalculator.ca and fightformyltd.com. As well, lots of information. Still got a few more minutes here to get through. We'll get to some more of your emails and to other stuff as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640. one 990 help at the is the email. Uh, question, can a family member appeal an LTD denial on behalf of a disabled person? So first of all, you don't appeal. Okay, you start right. a claim. But if you're asking, can a family member apply? No, because the individual the disabled person is the holder of the policy. They're the insured. So the family member can provide support. And oftentimes, by the way, John, I deal with family members on behalf of disabled individuals, particularly when you're dealing with more of a psychological type claim where every phone call and email creates immense amount of stress for the person. Uh, But the family or friends, they can't actually put a claim in their name. Uh, Some people think that perhaps they can, they cannot, Uh, simply again because the disabled person is the insured, they are the applicant. Get to an email from Jenny says, uh, I was told that if I don't follow all the treatment recommendations by the insurance company's doctor, I would be cut off long-term disability. What if some of those recommendations actually make me worse? Well, Jenny, you have no obligation to do anything that is going to make you worse. And in fact, I don't think the insurance company wants you to do something that's going to make you worse because that works against their interest, which is keeping you on LTD. But that said, I have had many cases where the insurance company, in its infinite wisdom, decides to cut off an individual by saying, look, you know, uh, X and Y doctors said that you should be doing uh, whatever, you know, these treatments. Uh, take these medications, and the person decides not to do so either on advice of other doctors or because they know from prior experience that those other treatments and medications make them sick. For the insurance company to cut or deny someone LTD 
because the person is not doing something that's going to make them worse is nonsensical. Just think about the argument here. That said, again, I still see insurance company, you know, do that. Doing it, yeah. Uh, so really the way that we fight back against that is we make sure that we get uh, succinct reports, very short but, uh, you know, to the point reports from the person's own doctors that explains why it is that this person is unable to do X, Y, and Z, why they can't take this medication, but why they are on another medication. And really, when we present that to the insurance company, they have really nothing to argue for. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are actually fairly simple cases to resolve. Many times, they don't even require us to start a legal claim because the adjuster just has no argument. You you can't argue that a person should do something that makes them worse. It makes no sense. So if someone is cut off or denied uh, their disability payments, is there a way to convince them? I say convince them to reverse that position. So it's an interesting question because as an individual who has been denied LTD or cut off, it's going to be almost impossible for you to, quote unquote, convince the adjuster that they are wrong. Because that's what you have to do. You have to tell them you are wrong and you have to essentially admit that you are wrong. I have had situations where when we um, got involved early on in the process, we wrote, we emailed the adjuster directly. We got an authorization from our client to do so. Uh, we provided that to the adjuster, telling them that we can communicate on this person's behalf. And we laid out the case for why the adjuster is wrong with a threat, essentially, that if mm. they don't reinstate the person or if they, you know, if the cutoff date is a few weeks from now, we tell them, you know, if you proceed with the cutoff, despite what we're telling you right now, you're going to get a claim on your desk the very next day. We have been able to uh, get adjusters to back off. And I suppose one of the reasons is because once we get involved, before the person gets cut off, the adjuster doesn't want to have to deal with their own manager or supervisor explaining why it is that now there is a legal claim, despite the fact that we had warned them that there would be one and we had legitimate grounds for for, for starting one. So, you know, in many instances uh, when people are cut off, or not cut off, but they're told they're going to get cut off and we get involved before the cutoff date... Right we can intervene and get the insurance company to back off their position because they know it's going to be a very expensive fight for them and they're going to end up paying a lot more down the road. Got about a minute left. We'll take a quick uh, final email from Rob. Says, I don't want to apply for CPP disability, but my long-term disability insurer says that if I don't, they'll deduct what they estimate that should be what I should receive from CPP. Can they do that? Uh, Yes, they can. In many policies out there, there is a provision. And if you look at your policy, uh, you will see that there's likely a provision there that states that you do have an obligation to apply for CPP disability. Mm -hmm. And again, remember, the reason why insurance companies want you to do that is because they get a credit for whatever it is you get from CPPD. Now, when you get LTD, it's very important for you to apply uh, within the one-year mark of getting LTD because CPP disability is retroactive to one year. And uh, I, I urge you to do that because you will have cases, I, I see cases all the time with someone who is, you know, for two years they're on LTD, and now the insurance company is starting to estimate how much the person should be getting, and, and people are obviously getting angry because they're saying, well, hold on for a second. You are estimating how much I should be getting, but I'm not getting that money. Yes, right. but the insurance policy says that you need to apply. So why haven't you applied? Right. So they're right in that case. So they are right. So get exactly. On it. So you got to be very, very careful. You got to do it, and also it's going to benefit you because if at some point down the road, you are going to be cut off uh, LTD, yeah. now you have another source of income uh, while we fight the LTD insurer to either reinstate you or uh, settle your claim. Plus, you've said before that if you qualify for CPP disability. 
that means you're disabled because it's not well, it easy. Well, it strengthens your claim. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the insurer is going to say that, you know, the fact that you're qualified under CPP disability is not determinative as to whether or mm-hmm. not you qualify under the policy of insurance. Sure. But it does, you know, back up your claim that you're disabled because the insurance company now has to face the fact that the government deemed you disabled. And, you know, it's interesting. I just saw an article this week. I think it was either Toronto Star or National Post where they talk about the fact that many cases where people apply for CPP disability, uh, they get rejected. But on appeal, uh, more than, I think, 50% end up being successful in getting CPP disability. So make sure that if you applied for CPP disability, you got rejected, you appeal. I believe you have a 90-day window to do that. Till next week, the number is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six, and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you want to know what your pain and suffering could be worth, just your pain and suffering component of your claim, a simple calculator called injurycalculator.ca can answer that question in about 30 seconds for you. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.